0: Hey, we are one church, four locations, so we've got White Rock, Bishop Arts, Oak Cliff, North Dallas, Antigua, all our locations. Let's give a huge round of applause for each other. So glad everyone is here today. It's going to be a fantastic Sunday. I cannot wait to see what God's going to do in and through every single one of our lives. Hey, today is a special day. We are launching at all of our locations. We have a new single that we are Dropping, I yes, guess you can say yes, that
1: yes yes so we exciting. have
0: never done a we single haven't. before, so this song that we sang today today, uh, how great thou art uh, we'll have a music video, and everywhere music can be found you can go this week and download it, yep. worship we pray that your heart is captured, and every single one of us are pushed forward. I think this is the first of many many Definitely. songs we're going to get to do as a church family now also. It is Mother's Day today. Yes. Mother's Day. So at all of our locations, Happy, happy Mother's, Mother's Day. Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. We are honor- you. We really do. Now, we recognize on Mother's Day, it can be hard for some. Uh, Did not have the best mom experience. Maybe your mom is no longer with you. Uh, With that being said, just so you know, we we love you tremendously. But we also wanted to honor those moms who are momming hard and momming right and doing everything in their power to keep putting one foot in front of the other. So whether your kids are in the house or outside of the house, we honor you as well. Yeah, give them a huge round of applause for sure. Now, I could not think of anything better on Mother's Day than the mom of this house to speak for, like, she's going to preach seven, little little, seven, eight-minute encouragement to every single person. Now, if you're not a mom, you'll still want to listen in, okay, because it's absolutely phenomenal. I read over her notes last night, and I was inspired and encouraged, so I know you're going to be as well. Give it up for Pastor Onika as she shares today. Love you.
1: Hey, everybody at White Rock. At North, at Bishop Arts, we love you. We are honored to be on this journey together. Let's go because I got eight minutes. Here we go. The title of my talk is Tough as a Mother because mothers are tough. No matter the season of motherhood that you're in, you could be a mentor to those younger than you. You can be a mother with kids in the home, mother with kids out of the home. You could be discipling someone, pouring into them and not have children of your own, but you still have a mother's heart. And I just want to remind you that you are tough. The Bible honors and celebrates women, not just in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament as well. And Jesus came into this world from a mother. And he brought honor and glory to all women just by being born. And may we not rem- may we never forget that there's no ceiling on our life, that there's no limitation to what God can do. If God can use a woman to bring forth his son, what can God do through you? One of the last things Jesus did before he died on the cross is honor his mother. I'm going to talk to us today about the power of before, the power of not yet. And the power of now. So I want you to lean in. I don't know what season of life you're in right now. You can be a mother, a father, a student, a business leader, someone in school. But whatever situation you find yourself in today, I'm believing that this word will encourage you. The power of before. Sometimes we spend so much time waiting on what hasn't happened yet that we lose the momentum, the life lessons we're supposed to get in our before. It says in Jeremiah 1.5. Before, everybody say before at all of our locations. Before, before I formed you formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as prophet to the nations. I remember before our son Parker was born, he's now 14 years old. Earl, every night, would pray over my stomach before. Before he ever came into this world, we were speaking life over him. We were speaking love over him. We were speaking peace over him. We were speaking leadership over him. And so I encourage you, if anyone finds himself in a before, before you start your company, before you get married, before your kids leave your house, don't despise your before seasons. Instead, embrace them. Step into them and speak life over them because you will bear much fruit. Many moms here today that aren't yet moms but are before moms. And I just want you to embrace that season. I know that it's hard. I know that there's days when you probably feel forgotten. Like, God, when are you going to make me a mom if I have to sit through another Mother's Day service? I'm going to just want to leave because of the weight and burden that I feel that I'm not yet a mom. Number one, I just want to say sorry that it hasn't happened yet, but I just want you to know that even in your before that God sees you, that he has a strategic plan and purpose for your life, that he has not forgotten the cries of your heart, he has not forgotten your prayers, and he's sitting right next to you in your before. I know some of you have kids that are in the diaper stage, and you're just exhausted because if you change another diaper, you're just going to want to just fall out because you're just over it, and you're in your before of waiting for that next season. I just want you to find hope and rest and peace to know that God is with you in your before. He is with us. Sometimes we wait till our after, and then we get disappointed because we think, oh, it's not what I thought it would be. But what if we learned our lessons in our before seasons so then when our after came, we would have context, we would have thanksgiving, and we'd have the wisdom to stay there. Another one, the power of now. Everybody say now. Now. Esther 4.14. This is so powerful. If you keep quiet at this time. I think sometimes we despise our now, and we don't speak life. We don't speak up. We walk by situations that need our voice, that need our prayers, even in our homes, because we are despising our now. But there is power in our now. If Queen Esther were here today, and let's just say that she is in the form of a chocolate woman. <laughs> she is one to remind us, if you keep quiet on your job if you keep quiet in your family, if you keep quiet in your neighborhood, if you keep quiet over the life that God speak called you to speak over your kids, deliverance and relief for the Jews will rise from another place. Wow. But you and your relatives will die. But who knows if perhaps you were called to lead that company yeah. for such a time as this. Who knows that perhaps you were called to be that godmother for such a time as this? Who knows that perhaps you were called to be that single person for such a time as this? I want us all to be bold of our now. I know that even myself as a mother of children, I have a 14-year-old, a 3-year-old, and an 8-year-old. That's a mouthful. But sometimes I find myself grieving their progress. I tried to because I missed the sentimental stage of when I would hold them, feed them, they needed me more. They were, you know what I'm saying? Does it ever happen to you? Something happens in your life and you miss the old. But God spoke to my heart this week and said, You better step right into this season of raising a teenager. Don't wish him back into diapers. You don't want him in diapers. You want him to be bold. You want him to be fearless. You want him to be a leader. So you celebrate this season of raising a teenage son and don't shrink back. So I encourage you that this is a word for somebody who's not looking at their now, they're staying in their past. And God is saying, I have called you for such a time as this. I have a word. I have a plan. I have a purpose for their season that you're in. Don't miss the lessons of your now the sleepless nights you're grieving when you used to sleep listen to worship music when you can't sleep your company hasn't gotten off the ground yet interview and study those who have gone before you in this now your school is kicking your butt but you have a student that you sit next to that is always just crushing it humble yourself and say teach me some of your study strategies embrace your now before, now, now we're going to jump real quick on not yet you're not yet. you can think of the thing that you're not yet stepping into that you don't yet have. Jeremiah eleven has a promise for us, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster to give you a future and a hope. God has a future for your situation that you're in right now. He has hope for every single circumstance that you're facing. And I feel like this world today is surrounding us with hopelessness, surrounding us with fear. But by the spirit of God today, I wanna remind you that God has a future for you. He has a hope for you, for your family, for your business, for your job, for your school. He has a future and it is good popular to whatever you see on Instagram and sometimes you compare your future with someone else's future, step into your future by trusting God that he you don't need to compare yourself to someone else's highlight reel. He has a future that is beautiful, that is powerful, that is strong, that is filled with faith, filled with strength, filled with courage, filled with peace. Are you with me today? Church, he has a future for you. So keep believing Keep trusting even when it makes no sense. Let's just be those type of bold people that when the situation seems the darkest, we walk by it and say, I speak future. I speak hope. I speak peace. I speak life. The Bible talks about in Proverbs 11.25, a generous person will prosper. And whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And that is our prayer for you today. For the mamas, for the not yet mamas, for those of you that Mother's Day brings back bad memories of unhealthy mothers or when you miss your mom because she's no longer here, we are praying refreshing over you. We're praying refreshing over you even if you're not a mother. God wants to refresh you. The Bible says whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Refresh means to make fresh again. Who wants to be made fresh again? It means to reinvigorate. It means to replenish. Come on, let's be a church that replenishes. It means to renovate, to repair, to revive, to resuscitate, and lastly, to breathe new life in into. God wants to breathe new life into you and he wants you to breathe new life into others. Yeah. Ezekiel 37:10 as I wrap. So I prophesied just as he commanded me. The breath entered them and they came alive. What if we did this over our families? They stood up on their feet, a huge army. No matter where you find yourself today, in your before, in your future, in your present, whatever season you find yourself in today, let's not be quiet. Let's not wait for some help to come from another place. The time is now for us to speak life because our words have power. There's so much negativity going around and God is saying, can my church cry out? Can my church just prophesy to the dry bones so that they can live? My, can my church lean into my presence, my power, my grace, and my peace? He wants to refresh us today. And mothers, don't forget that God wants to refresh you and keep refreshing others. Love you.
0: I'm keeping her. She's my favorite speaker on the planet. So incredibly life-giving. Uh, I pray that your heart is encouraged at all of our locations. I really do pray that. And we've got a little something special at all of our locations for our moms as well. Juice bars for all the moms so that you can be refreshed as well. It's just for the moms. If we see any dad, especially any single guy, if you go up there and you're trying to grab a juice bar. Oh, we'll get you. We'll get you. Hey, uh. It is is, uh, Mother's Day, so uh, this this little analogy came to to my mind. Um, This is a baby's blanket. It's not um, the one that you see at all the hospitals, you know, that one that's white with the stripes. You know, I found out that actually comes from one manufacturer, and they're doing this, like, all over the United States. But but this is one uh, from the hospital. Whenever a baby is born... uh, The doctors or nurses or midwives or doulas, if you're giving birth in a tub at home somewhere, they will take this baby and they'll put the baby on the mom's chest and they take a blanket and they put a blanket over the child as well. Uh, What this does is it helps the baby regulate their body temperature because the baby is not able to do that on their own just yet. So the warmth from the mother but also the covering of the blanket Is for the benefit of the baby. Uh, The title of today's message is, Do You Have a Blanket? Do you have a blanket? All of our locations, turn ask your neighbor. Say, do you have a blanket? Do you have a blanket? Ask him. Ask him. Do you have a blanket? Do you have a blanket? Do you have a blanket? Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. It says, when Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion servant whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. Verse number four, when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, Lord, don't, don't, don't you dare. Don't you dare trouble yourself for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not consider myself worthy. I didn't consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. At the top of this passage of Scripture, we learn of this centurion. A centurion is a soldier, a leader that is over 100 soldiers. Centurion. Century. So he's over 100. This is a man that has a lot of influence, a lot of weight. A lot of leadership capacity. This is someone that people have looked at and says he can handle a lot. These are the same individuals that would wear the red plume on the top of their helmets so in battle the other soldiers would know where to go because the chaos and the dust of battle can sometimes make things very chaotic and confusing. But this centurion would be the one with this red plume on his helmet so the other soldiers would know where to go, which direction to follow. He's a leader of leaders. And this centurion, we find out here, has a servant who's sick, someone he cares about deeply. Now understand, this centurion is a Gentile. There are all types of rules between Jews and Gentiles of the day. And that's why Jesus was so um, uh, progressive, if you will, and, and so revolutionary because he continued to break down so many walls. Uh, but this Gentile, this centurion has a servant who is sick and he talks to some of the Jews and he says, hey, will you please go and will you talk to Jesus? Will you ask him to heal my servant? So the Jews take the walk and they, and they find Jesus. And when they get there, we discover some more things about the centurion. We discover that the Jews really, really like him. Why do they like him? Not just because he's a soldier, but because they say he loves the nation of Israel. Not only does he love the nation of Israel, the Bible also tells us that he helped build the synagogue. So he gave money to help get the church built. So this Gentile soldier, this leader, has had this affinity and this love for the Jewish people. He's helped them build the synagogue. He has care and kindness toward them. And one of his servants is sick, so the Jews have come to Jesus on his behalf. And they plead with Jesus, come with us. Come heal This man's servant, I love this about Jesus. I love that he's willing to go even to a Gentile's house. I love that he's willing to go where other people say you can't go and give hope and life and bring healing. I love that about our Savior. So now they begin to walk, and they're walking and walking. Now, in this day and age, there are no cell phones, okay? There's no text message. You can't go Instagram live on this. You cannot go Facebook live. Okay, so now they are at the house. The centurion is at the house. He does not know about the interaction that's happened between the Jews and Jesus. He doesn't know. All we know is he's probably pacing the the floor back and forth, back and forth, wondering, is Jesus going to heal my servant? I know I'm a Gentile. We discover later on he's he's worthy to talk to Jesus. So now he's wondering, like many of us sometimes, will God even hear my prayer because I'm not clean enough? I'm not good enough. I don't measure up enough. So this man is just like you and I. And we discover again the grace of God goes beyond our sin and our image of ourselves and our unworthiness. And he still moves towards us even when we think we're dirty. And Jesus is now walking toward The man's house. He's pacing back and forth in the house and maybe putting water and blankets on his servant, maybe just hoping and praying the best prayer he knows how to pray that his servant is made well and Jesus is on his way. And all of a sudden, some people say, Hey, hey, he's coming. He's coming. He's almost here. He's headed to the house. And the centurion, you can see him beginning to sweat profusely. He's thinking, oh, no, 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 no. He can't come to my house. So he talks to some of his friends. Hey, hey, I need you to leave. I need you to leave here. I need you to go. I need you to go talk to him. I need you to go tell him some stuff. And the friend's like, I'm not going out there. I don't know him. He's like, I need you to go because I can't go. No, no, go, go, go. And the guy gets out there and he says, hey, Jesus, um, don't come. Don't come to the house. He doesn't think you're worthy. He doesn't think he's worthy for you to enter his home. But just say the word. Just speak. If you just say it. If you just say it. But say the word and my servant will be healed. Just say the word. Do you know this is the first time Jesus is doing one of those long distance miracles? Okay every other every other healing every other miracle that jesus has done has been one where he's been present the water turned into wine he's present at the wedding When he's healing a leper, he's touching. When he's healing blind eyes, he's touching or he's spitting in the ground and he's touching. He's doing all these things. He's always present. This particular miracle, Jesus, the guy says, you don't even have to be present. You can be someplace else and still work the miracle. Why does this man think this? Why does this man believe that Jesus has this kind of power? He's never seen this happen. He has never seen a miracle done this way. Why does he believe it? We get his understanding and his thought process right here. Verse number 8. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant do this And he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. Why does this centurion believe that Jesus just has to say the word? Because the centurion is looking at his own life, and he knows that all the subordinates he has in his life, whenever he just says something to them, they do it because he himself, he says, is a man under the authority of the Roman government, and since he's under the authority of the Roman government, the people that are under him do what he says to do because he has some. Someone else backing him and he looks at Jesus and he says, I've seen and I've heard the way you've been healing people. I've seen and I've heard the way you've been touching people. I've seen the way you've been able to tear down strongholds. I see the way you've been able to turn lives around. And I can tell you must be under someone else's authority to be able to have that kind of power. Under authority. Whose authority was Jesus under? <laughs> he was under God. Because see this? The centurion says your power to speak over comes from the authority that you are under. And I'm seeing this. And I'm singing something more is going on here than meets the eye. This is a series on relationships. And I felt... I felt that I, I needed to, to go here. I felt I needed to talk about this aspect of relationships and it it seems small. It seems insignificant. It seems like it won't matter all that much. But what I'm telling you today, what we're talking about today will be an absolute game changer to the purpose and the potential that God has put on the inside of you. I am giving you today one of the secrets to you unlocking the destiny that God has put inside of your life. I am telling you today a small tweak that will make a massive difference. I'm I'm not a golfer, right? I'm not a golfer. One day I hope to be. One day, you know. When I, get, when I get enough money to go golf, I'm going to I'm gonna be a golfer, enough time uh, to go golf. Um, but whenever I go out there with friends of mine, and I'm just a caddy, but I'm out there, and sometimes I'll get up uh, at the tee box, uh, the thing they tell me uh, with my swing every, every time is, Earl, keep your head down. You got to keep your head down because I want to just... I want to look up right away, but they say, no, 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 keep your head down, hit hit the ball, and then keep your head down. You you can look up after. That small tweak makes all the difference in whether or not I'm able to hit the ball. And just so you know, it is a shameful experience to be a grown man in a tee box, (laughs) missing a ball that is not moving at all. But if I keep my head down, I'm at least going to make contact. The ball might go backwards, but I'm going to at least make contact. It's a small tweak, but it makes a huge difference. I'm going to try to help you understand what needs to happen in order for you to unlock all that God wants to do. And it has to do with your covering. It has to do with who you are under. It has to do with this word, Authority. If you can learn to be under, God will unlock what you are called to be over. If you can learn to be under, God will unlock what you are called to be over. I heard this, I heard this quote. And I want to share it with you. We will never be over those things that God has set under us until we learn to be under those things that God has placed over us. There is strength through surrender. Okay, okay, okay. I, 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 I have so much anticipation in my heart. Because I think if we get this, I think if we get this one right here, you are going to be shocked at how God begins to promote you and push you forward in the purpose of the potential that he has for you. Uh, Romans chapter 13. Let's talk about authority for a second. Romans chapter 13, verse number 1. It says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority. Everybody say, no authority. No authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist exist. Have been established by God. Hmm. The problem with this is rebellion is all in our hearts. <laughs> all of us want to buck authority, push against authority. Many of us who are Americans are like, no, it's part of being an American. But the reality is this rebellion that's in the heart of all of humanity, and if you have any kids at all, you know this, okay? It's in them from the beginning. <laughs> Our three-year-old yesterday was just working my nerve. She's beautiful, but she was working my nerve. L, time out. Go get in the corner, L, Time out. Why are you slithering on the floor over there like a snake, L, Stand up. Get back in the corner. Time out. Time out time out you know d- <laughs> rebellion <laughs> i'm casting demons out of my 3 year old But it's not demons. It's three. That's what it is. And it's part of it. Rebellion. Teenagers. Rebellion. And it doesn't move, remove, is not removed when we get older. It's still in us. And it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And here the serpent is saying, hey, 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 you can be just like God if you do the thing God says not to do. You'll be just like him. The sad thing is God had already made man and woman like him because man and woman were made in the image of God. Now the devil Is trying to offer them something that God has already given them, but they can't even see that because of the rebellion that is in their heart. And they end up doing the thing that God does not want them to do. And this poison of sin has infiltrated all of humanity, and it is in us. So once someone is over us, we don't like it. We want it our way. And the problem is you're not just fighting against them. Many times you're fighting against God. Now... You reap what you sow. Okay? So do you want the harvest of what you're planting? Ask yourself that question. For the boss that's over you, do you want people following you like you follow your boss? Oh, you don't know my boss. You don't know my boss. Okay, I know I don't. But maybe you don't know your God. Maybe you don't know that your God is able to fix and fashion and form you into the person he has called you to be. And maybe he put you in that place so that you would learn the things that you need to learn. So that when you have a bunch of people under you, you'll know how to treat them and and you'll be able to propel them to their destiny. Instead of fighting against who God has put over you, learn to be under. How you serve under speaks to how you will lead when over it's a character test. It's a character test. It's a character test. It's a character test. It's a, God is trying to prepare you for something, and he can't get you prepared for it if everything is easy. So in order to get you prepared for it, he has to press against you. He has to crush you. He has to try you. He has to test you to get you ready for where he's trying to take you. But if you keep trying to avoid the test, you will not have worked only inside of you what you need for when you get to the next place God is trying to take you. Oh, man! Treat your authority like you hope you'll be treated when you're in his or her shoes okay let me let me talk about this Let me talk about this for a second let me talk about this now you know you know what i'm saying all this stuff. This is not for those who are like um if you're in, like, a, an abusive situation, I'm not talking about that, right? You you understand that. This is, we, we support A21 and sex uh, and trying to get women out of sex tra- being sex trafficked. We're not saying, hey, they're your authority. You need to sit there. No, no, no. Get out, run, punch them in the face, do whatever you need to do. You get out of there, okay? So we're not talking about that. But we try to take those kind of situations and bring them into, like, a bad job. Mm, not to say. Okay, if you don't learn, if you don't learn how to relate to authority, you will hinder your influence. You'll hinder it. You'll slow it down. You'll slow it down. I'm trying to give you a tiny tweak. I'm telling you, if you do this tiny tweak right here, it's going to unlock something in your life. Talent will take you very far. It will. It will take you far. If you are working in the restaurant industry or you are a lawyer or you're in school, talent will take you very, very far. It's amazing how far talent will take you. But if you do not learn how to work under authority, your talent will take you to a place, but you will be removed from that place. You'll not be able to stay there because you do not know how to be under. Take the best athletes in the world. They can get to the PGA Tour. They can get to the NBA. They can make it to the NFL. But if you don't learn how to be coached, if you don't learn to have somebody else over you, if you don't learn how to have a boss, if you don't learn how to work under the government authority, if you don't learn how to do all of that, you'll find yourself in jail or off of the team or wherever else you want to go because every single one of us have to learn how to be under in order to sustain the influence that God is wanting to give us. Remember this, when God is preparing to unlock things in your life, it will look like you don't have enough. It will look like that. It will look like you don't have enough money, you don't have enough influence, you don't have enough time, you don't have enough contacts, and it will look like you don't have enough authority. You'll be saying on the inside, if I were in charge, I would do. If I had the authority, I would do. I would make this happen. And God is saying, I've given you exactly what you need right now to do what I have called you to do. And you don't need to be in another place to do what I've called you to do. And you don't need to have another title to do what I've called you to do. I've given you your five five, five fish and two loaves of bread. So go ahead and take that and give it to me and watch how I'm able to work it. My first job, my first ministry job, uh, my first uh, actually job at a local church. Uh, I came in and uh, I was, my office was not an office. It was in like the lobby reception area. So I'm there next to the receptionist and I've got my desk that was just set up right there next to her. So everybody that walked in, I'm like, hi, you know, I'm just welcoming people. Good to see you. How can I help you today? You know, I, I got good at this. <laughs> Cause you can't be rude, you know. I can't be saying, "Oh, I'm working." Oh, I'm I'm a pastor on staff. No, no. It's like, "Hello, how can I help you?" So when she wasn't there, I was stepping up uh, to help. I remember showing up early. Church was th- had thousands of people. I was showing up early, helping unlock doors. I'm walking through the hallway. Somebody said, "Hey, are you an usher?" I'm like, "Yes." I'm an usher. What do you need? How can I serve you today? At your service. I was doing all of this stuff when I knew God had put a whole bunch of other stuff on the inside of me. But I was willing just to be under, to be under, to be under. And I almost did not share this. I almost did not share it because it it, it just doesn't even feel it doesn't ring true to me. But I'm going to do it to get through my own insecurities. Many of you have said to me. Thank you for your humility. Thank you for the way that you carry yourself. Thank you that you don't make it about you. And I say thank you so much for that. But the reality is if you want that type of humility, if you want that type of brokenness, it is not forged on the platform. It is forged in the fire of submission. It is forged with you laying down your life under someone else's authority and allowing the grace of God to shape you and mold you into who he called you to be. The reason the applause does not go to my head now is because God has baked into me submission. He has baked into me humility. He has baked into me. It is not about you. And all of that was happening when I had thousands and millions on the inside of me and a destiny that God had given me that I'm supposed to touch the world, but he put me in a cubicle. I'm telling you where you are right now is not the thing that dictates your future, but how How you respond to the people that are over you will have everything to do with your future. I remember in 1999, I'm sitting in a church service filled with thousands of people, and this pastor's up there, and he pulls me up on the platform in front of everyone, and he says, Earl, God is speaking to me. You're supposed to speak to nations. You're going to be a voice for a generation. God's hand is all over your life. That was in 1999, and whenever someone hears something like that, we want to go ahead and make our name real big, but that's not how God does it. He actually brings you to a wilderness and he puts you in a place where no one knows you. And he wants to know, are you willing to lay down your life and serve and worship and follow me? Even when you get no credit for anything, this is what will unlock what God has on the inside of you. And I'm looking for a church that maximizes their potential. I'm looking for a church that will become all that God has called them to be. And you and I don't get that for fighting for position. You get it? coming under authority, having a covering. Do you have a blanket? Do you have a blanket? You think you're fighting against your boss? You're fighting against your purpose? Allow the grace of God to work in your heart and watch what he will unlock bow your heads at all of our locations, if you wouldn't mind. Bow your heads just for a moment. If you're under the sound of my voice right now and your heart is not yet submitted to Jesus Christ, he's not first in your life. He's not number one. He's not the boss of your life. If you're honest with yourself right now, you would say you're in the driver's seat of your life. Christ is not. You're first. Jesus is not. But you're hearing these words today, and I hope and trust that the grace of God has been able to shine through so much. And you can hear that there's a loving Father in heaven that's for you and on your side and cares for you so much to help shape you and mold you to who he wants you to be, but the first step is you got to surrender. First step is you got to say yes to the cross, yes to forgiveness, yes to a brand new start. So if that's you, under the sound of my voice, you've never given your heart and your life to Christ at all of our locations, or you've, or at one point in time you did and you slipped away, and today you want to give your heart and your life to Christ, I'm going to ask you to do something simple, but something bold. On the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand in the air and say, yes, that's me. I want to give my heart and my life to Christ. Ready? One, two, three. Just shoot your hand in the air All our locations. Come on, put them on, Put them up. I see them. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for this moment of transformation. I'm going to ask everyone to do me a favor. Put your hand over your heart if you would not mind. I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer out loud after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I made mistakes. And today... I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lift our heads up. I'm going to invite up campus pastor at all of our locations as well. Let's clap our hands. Come on, church. Clap our hands with enthusiasm.